0: I want you to look in your Bible in first Corinthians chapter two. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we're heading somewhere. We're heading somewhere. First Corinthians chapter two and verse seven. This is a familiar portion of scripture. I know to so many of us, Paul said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto whose glory, our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, what does it say? They would have never crucified the Lord of glory. I'm telling you right now that hell's going. If we had known that this whole COVID-19 thing was going to wake up the church and move them into an awakening of the fullness, we never would have done it. I don't know what this has been like in your life navigating the last couple of years, but mark my words. I'm telling you right now, if we would have known what this was going to awaken and thrust them into and reveal and push them into, we never would have showed up at their house. What does it go on to say in verse nine? But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, neither is it on CNN news. Yeah. The things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God, say God is revealing. God is revealing. God is revealing them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searches, come on, all things, yea, the deep things of God God's revealing to us isn't he he's he's moving us into position Shana would you give me that um your defining moment book? the Lord started talking to me about this revealing work that he is doing and uh and I'll tell you I got another revelation of it um just the other night did I give you another one because I think I marked what I what I wanted there He gave me a revelation of it, and what I started to see is sort of this big picture operation of what God is doing in the earth. How many of you know that Romans uh, chapter 8 tells us that creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God? I don't know if ever before you can visibly see or hear the groans of creation like we're hearing them right now. And what the Bible says it's groaning for is not what they think they're groaning for. They think they're groaning for a certain person in office or a certain agenda or for the pain of their past to be heard. They think they're groaning for this and that and everything will be fine. But deep in the heart of creation, there is a groaning for the answer that God initiated to answer creation's groan. When he raised Jesus from the dead and it says that he brought many sons unto glory. What they're groaning for is for the fullness, the rising up, the manifestation of not the next rock star preacher. Come on, we got to get this junk out of the church. What's going to answer the cry of creation right now is not you and I just rallying around the next rock star preacher going, Well, they're the ones that are really going to do it. It's the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God, it's the bride of Christ being fully equipped by all of those five-fold offices. And by the way, to have the fullness of the church, we need all five. We need to allow those gifts to be who they are without apology because we need what they equip us to be. Come on. Just because there's some that act a little crazy, listen, just because one banker was corrupt doesn't mean all bankers are corrupt. We need them to be who they are to equip us to answer the cry, the groan of creation. The church of Jesus Christ is the agent of restoration in the earth. I appreciate so much what God's been ministering to us that he's doing in our lives, but the big picture reality of it Churches that God is grabbing us up and saying, now that I've done this in you, I need you to be the bride and I need you to be my agent to restore. I need you to go into the land that is under such oppression and such duress and I need you to be my hands of restoration. Look in your Bibles over in Isaiah chapter 55. You and I all know this, that Jesus called us, he, he defined us. As salt and light. I don't know about you all. My, my family lives in New York. You know, they live in snow country. Y'all know anything about snow country around here? You know, we usually, we think about salt as um, a stabilizing force. Um, when you're going behind a plow truck, when there's snow on the road, you know you're in good shape. Right? That's what my dad always told us. If you're on bad roads... He said, um, You find that plow truck and you get right behind it because that salt, come on, hitting on the road, is gonna stabilize those road conditions and that's gonna give you your best stability for your tires to make your way forward. I know we usually talk about being the salt and the light of the world as we give it flavor, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you, salt is a stabilizing force. This world needs us to be stable, stabilizing agents. Listen, I know it's volatile. I know when you gather with your families, everybody's spouting their agendas and saying all this stuff that makes your hair curl and you just want to slap somebody with righteous indignation. But can I just remind you of something? What they need is for you to be a stabilizing force. Come on, what they need, it's your job, it's your work is for you to be the one that rises up in the middle of chaos when everybody's going, are we going to lose our job? What are they going to do now? I can't take the pressure, all the changes. They just need you to rise up and go, "Hey, it's going to be okay." It's going to be all right. Listen, we're going to walk this out one step at a time. We're going to know what what God's going to have for us. And they go, what are you talking about? You say, God's going to lead us. You just follow me. Maybe you don't know him. You follow me. I know him. I'll show you the way. But if you want to know him, I can help you out. He needs us to be a stabilizing force, doesn't he? Look here in Isaiah chapter 51 in verse 15. It says, but I am the Lord your God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Where have I seen that? It was just too good, I had to say it. Aren't you glad he's the Lord of hosts? Aren't you glad that it doesn't say he's the Lord of one host, but it says hosts, plural? Come on, we, we have so many. I mean, you just think about it. The Bible tells us that we all have um, guardian angels assigned to our lives, right? Most scholars believe we have two angels that are assigned us when we're born. Then according to what your assignment and your calling is, then you can have additional angels that are assigned to you to fulfill that call. So if you just think about in this room right now, how many angels are in this room? I mean, Pastor Hank alone's probably got, I don't know, 20,000 or something. (laughs) Pastor Karen, all Nicole's angels dance really good. I know that. They sing and they dance, okay? You just think about the hosts that are in this room. We don't walk alone, church. The Lord of hosts is his name. Verse 16 says, And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, come on, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, You are my people. Verse 17 says, so awake, awake and stand up. Then if you turn one page over to chapter 52, verse one, the prophetic word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah comes again and he says it again, wake up, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, and put on your beautiful garments. Come on, the Bible talks about two kinds of garments. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you got translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his glorious son, the Bible says that he gave you a gown of salvation. But then there's another kind of garment that the Bible talks about, doesn't it? And it's a robe of righteousness. And when you stand in that robe of righteousness, you have come to take care of business. Because when you are walking in that robe of righteousness, that's that no- another level of as he is, so are we in this world. You better watch out. I'm saying that when creation, the Bible says creation is groaning for the manifestation in the sons and daughters of God. That's what he's talking about. The standing up in the fullness of I know that as he is, so am I in this world. Creation's waiting for it. I want to read this to you. This was an article that was uh, printed in Fortune magazine. It was actually written by the editor of that time. And I I think you're going to find this surprising. In this piece, the editor admits that America owes its ideals to the church, but asserted that the church is no longer leading in the holding of those ideas. Wow. The editor went on to criticize church leaders for following rather than leading their congregation, stating, it is the practice of many mainstream churches to bend their messages to the will of the majority. He claimed the mainstream church is not inspired, and the result has been a vicious spiral of spiritual disillusionment. I got to tell you, when I re- came across this article and I, I put it in, in this book, my heart sank, but I, I got a little defensive because that's his bride he's talking about, and, and I am the church, you are the church. But what I realized was that it was really a cry of his heart. I don't know if this man is a believer or not, but I heard in his words a cry for the church to be what we've always said that we are. He went on to say this, there is only one way out of the spiral and the way out is a sound of a voice, but not our own voice, but a voice coming from something that is not of ourselves and in the existence of we cannot disbelieve. It is the earthly task of church leaders, he said, to hear this voice for us, to cause us to hear it and to tell us what it is saying. That editorial appeared in Fortune Magazine in 1940 and you think about the state of how things are today i feel a soberness and a weightiness from heaven this morning May I remind you, brothers and sisters, that there is no backup body of Christ. That we're it. And that heaven is banking on us. And I have put my words in your mouth. And I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. That I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth. And say unto Zion... And say unto Zion, you are my people, so awake. I believe that God, the Bible talks about that the unjust cries of the earth reach his ears and in essence he says enough is enough. And there's a clarion call coming out of heaven to us as his bride to go into a volatile world And to stabilize and to lay the foundations once again. To plant the heavens in the earth. What did he say? I'm going to put my word in your mouth and you're going to plant the heavens. There's a wild picture that you find when you read about how they go into an actual piece of land that's been diluted and polluted where it can't produce anything. They can't build on it. They can't grow anything on it. And they actually have a plan for how they restore that land. And the first thing that they say you have to do is you have to go into that piece of ground and you have to reclaim the land and say, I'm going to protect this soil. How many times did we hear this weekend that God's calling us to reclaim the fullness of who we are so that we can rise up and reclaim the names and the faces and the places and the schools and the businesses and the city where you live and your neighborhood street and your territory and say, I'm not going to allow for this to be polluted anymore. I'm taking claim of this. I'm going to plant the heavens. It's wild because the very next thing that they do to restore a piece of land that's been polluted after they claim it is it says you have to reseed it. Reseed it. I'm telling you, everything that they get, you can find the pattern of it in the word of God. God says, pick up my words and just go to work. Just plant the heavens, plant the heavens. Is your school going crazy? Is the superintendent opening the door to some kind of curriculum that's gonna introduce gender confusion to your little five-year-old? They're gonna go into the first grade and tell them that they can choose their sexual preference. How about we just go up and start walking around those schools in the morning and saying I'm claiming this ground and I'm gonna plant the heavens and this is my territory and I'm gonna reseed this school with the Word of God and I declare that this school raises up young champions and I'm gonna call in a born again, Holy Ghost superintendent into the seed of this school system. And I call in men and women of God, teachers that under their breath will pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to reseed this little elementary school with the heavens. We're going to plant the heavens in the earth. I don't know what's going on in the company where you work. Maybe all kinds of things are trying to go crazy. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on in the state where you live, but I, I don't live there, you do. So reclaim it and reseed it. The third thing that they do when they go in and, and rid this piece of land is, of pollution is that they go in and they build water, watersheds. And what those watersheds are, are channels to direct, come on. I mean, this stuff just preaches itself. They build these channels to direct the water to go everywhere it's supposed to go. When I saw that, I thought, that sounds a lot like prayer. That sounds a lot like, like making the way. And I remembered a, a, a pattern of watching God do this. Now, a number of years ago, I was, when I was on staff uh, there in Ohio with uh, Pastor Tim and Carol Sheets, We had a conference and they they had a a woman of God ministering and I was actually cutting through the sanctuary on my way to check on something. And she made the statement and she said, you know, for all of our preaching and all of our conferences and all of our gatherings, there's yet to be one place, one city, one town on the earth where we can say, there we got the setup of the kingdom of God and its strong influence permeating every part of a and I just stopped right in my tracks. And I thought, God, that ought not be. We're the ecclesia. The church is the strongest force of any nation. Stronger than any military. Come on, stronger than any political power. And uh, it was shortly after that that... Um, we were going my team and I were going back to Grenada. I talked about some things we done in Grenada. Have you remember the chicken story? I know some of you right now are like I forgot to pull chicken out of the freezer for lunch. I wonder if that chicken anointing's going to work. But uh you know we 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 ministered. I went to Grenada for 19 years and and I remembered a picture of, of this process we're talking about of planning the heavens. We watched God walk this out in Grenada. On this particular trip, we had been, I probably had been maybe. 12, 13 times. And on this particular trip, I was going in with my team, and a team of ministers, and we were going in to strengthen the churches. That was our, our assignment. We had all these meetings set up just to strengthen the pastors, strengthen the churches there in Grenada. So I'm on the plane, we're flying over there, and I just turned my head to the window, and I just, in my heart, I just said, Well, now, Lord, you know, I've sought you, I've prayed, this is what we're set up to do on this trip. I felt like you told us to strengthen the churches, minister to the pastors. But, God, is there anything else you'd like? to say to me about this trip and you know i just have to tell you it I, I just had the sense that it pleased him so much that i asked how many of you know that there was a powerful strategy in the life of of moses where and uh, and even david where no matter what kind of battle they had just fought and won by what god told him to do each time they would go back and it says they would inquire of the lord inquire of the lord And so, God, is there anything you'd like to say to me? And it was as if the Lord just kind of went, Jen, I'm so glad you asked. And then he said, on this trip, he said, I want you to conduct spiritual business. And I thought to myself, I thought that's what we had been doing. (laughs) And so I learned a valuable lesson you know, when God speaks something to you, rather than just putting your own interpretation on it and trying to figure it out, hold that thing back up to the Lord, even if you think you know, and say, God, I think I know what you mean by that, but what do you mean by that? Because you'll always get something more. And so I said, well, God, you know, I thought that's what we had been doing, but what do you mean by conduct spiritual business? And then the Lord said something to me that I, I honestly think is one of his favorite things to say to me. He said, oh, I'll tell you when you get there. I was like, God, I got time now. A heads up is not a horrible thing. I'm just sitting on this plane. He had nothing else to say. I couldn't talk him into it. So the next morning, our our first um, meeting that we had called was we were going to gather that next morning. We had called all the pastors in uh, that we uh, were working with and we were going to have a time of prayer that next morning and we were going to have a time of prayer for Grenada and pray together, join with them and say, God, what is your key for opening and unlocking Grenada? What is your key? What needs to be done? And so they all came that next morning and there's probably a hundred of us or so in this room. And, and so I got up and just shared, you know, we're here to partner with you. We believe that the alarm clock of destiny is going off on the, on the destiny of, of Grenada. And we believe God is wanting to move and do some things and open some things up. And so we're just going to get into prayer. And so I started sharing with them, you know, how I was trained to pray and the Holy ghost. When you pray in the Holy ghost, you put your personality into your prayer life. Sometimes I feel bad for God listening to our prayers. You know, when we fall in, I mean, not around here, nobody could fall asleep, but you know, you kind of get into that. And you kind of check your watch. And I just think, bless God's heart, you know, having to listen to that. God gave you a personality and imagination. Even when you don't know what you're praying, you jump in by faith and you pray. Now, I have no idea what I'm saying, but you're going to get a lot farther praying with the spirit of faith that way. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. That's all I've got. Now, so I shared that with them. So they're fired up. You know, they're just ready to pray. So we, we get into prayer. So we're just praying in the spirit for Grenada. God, what's your plan for Grenada? And we had been praying for, I don't know, maybe about 15 minutes or so. And I could just tell by the sound of prayer in the room that they were engaged. But you know how when you're praying corporately and you're praying, but sometimes you kind of, you're praying, but you open the one eye to see if the leader knows what's going on. It's kind of like one-eyes hunting, one-eyes fishing. You know, you're kind of, does anybody know what we're praying about? And I could tell they were doing that. And so I, I just remember thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just lift my head, open my eyes, just kind of stop and just encourage them, you know, make sure we're in the same direction. And at this particular moment, I, uh, I lifted my head and, and I went to open my eyes to address the room like you all are in front of me. But when I did, uh, the room was gone. And standing in front of me, maybe here to where the the sound booth is, in front of me was this massive um, seat, Um, like an ornate seat was right in front of me. And standing just to the, the right of that seat was this massive angel, this angelic being and I had never seen anything like this before. And he was intense. He, he was standing like this. And um, the only way I can describe it, you all, is it was like strength was emanating off of him. He was fierce. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad we're on the same team. And so I'm seeing this. I mean, you can. I'm, I go to open my eyes to a dress like you, and everybody's gone, and there's this seed, and there's this angelic being. I'm like, God, what is going on? And the word of the Lord came to me, and it was this. He said, now concerning the nation of Grenada, there is a seat of authority. And he said, evil has gotten in it. And I sent you here to get evil out and put righteousness back in. Well, I'm glad you're excited. I was like, how in the world are we going to do that? (laughs) And I'm just thinking, Lord, what, what, you know, how, what, how, where, when, why? And I'm just standing there looking at this and I'm just going, God, how do we do that? Now, this is what's interesting, folks. We've been living in a time where a lot of the body of Christ has gotten disconnected from their church. And... And they see nothing wrong with it. Well, I love God, and I read the word, and I have my time, and Jesus went to the cross for me. And, and you know, I was there, and I just, I experienced some things, and I was in a bad situation, and I got hurt, and and all these things that can happen and go on. And so I'm just over here living unto God and just keeping my head down, not making any waves till Jesus comes. It's just safer here. And the whole time, the, the devil's just laughing all the way to the bank, going, ha, ha, ha. I did it, I cut you off from your supply line. That's called a siege in military terms. I'll just isolate you and wait you out because your your supply of strength's gonna wane and then I'll be able to just wreak havoc in your life. And since you've isolated yourself, you won't have the strength to know what to do about it. You hit a spot where you need direction and all of a sudden you're disconnected from the place where God says, arise, go to the potter's house and there I'll cause you to hear my words. Anybody ever heard of the corporate anointing? And people are, men and women of God needing direction in their prayer closet going, God, what's going on? And God's going, I already supplied this. It's called the corporate anointing. My anointing on the bride, the body of Christ. And you need to get back to the house and join the family again. Now, why am I saying this? Because in that moment, now here I am on assignment. I'm where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. And I need to know what to do next. God, how are we supposed to deal with this seed of authority? And the next voice I heard in my spirit was not the voice of God. And it wasn't even the voice of my own spirit. The next voice I heard was the voice of my pastor, Pastor Tim Sheets at that time. And he had taught a series when I was on staff there for 18 weeks on the ministry of angels. I remember uh, when when I was there, we were all just kind of going, is he ever going to preach on anything else but angels? I never knew there was so much about angels in the word of God. And what I heard in my spirit was his voice because in the middle of that series, this one particular Sunday, he came in. He said, we're going to continue our series on angels, God's air force. And he said, today I'm going to preach on how angels help apostles shift regions. And that's what I heard him. I didn't even remember the sermon. I just remembered the sermon title. You know how glad I was that I wasn't sitting out at the cafe that morning, that I was sitting in the pew to hear my pastor just announce the title of his sermon, that it was going to be a key that I was going to need somewhere down the road? And I heard that. I said, okay, God. And my mind's just racing. And I just said, now, Father, I said, now, I hear what you're saying to me. I said... At this particular time, I don't believe that the office that I'm standing in right now is the apostolic office. So how's this going to work? The spirit of the Lord just met me right there. He said, was this your idea or my idea? I said, it was your idea. He said, did you send you or did I send you? I said, you sent me. He said, then you are operating under an apostolic authority. I said, all right, Lord, here we go. So at that point, I lifted my head again, opened my eyes, and there the room was back. At this point, everybody had gotten quiet, like, what is going on? And so I addressed them, and I told them what I just saw and what I heard the Lord say. I said, now, listen, everybody, we're going to follow the protocol of Jesus. Here's how we're going to do this. We're not just going to take off with the shotgun, just firing off every scripture and everything we ever heard. We're going to be strategic about this. How many of you know that Jesus had a protocol? He said, I only say what I hear my father say, I only do what I see my father do. If Jesus, the word incarnate was going to be strategic and go, father, what is your key that unlocks this door? What is your word to plant the heavens here? If he was strategic about it, how many of you know, we need to follow that example. I'm saying you got some situations you need to speak the word and plant the heavens, but you need to go to him for what word you need to plant. And so I said, we're going to get back into prayer. We're just going to wait for words to come. And when those words come, we're going to let them loose and speak them. So we did. We went back into prayer. It wasn't hardly any time at all. I'm telling you, words came. I began to declare those words, you know, and you could feel it in the room. Some of you that have been a part of of, uh, prayer times like this, this is times when you are conducting spiritual business. When you realize that before anything can happen in the natural realm, it must first happen in the more powerful realm of the spirit. And so those words came and we began to declare it. And you could feel that opposition in prayer. You could feel us hitting up against it. And I'm telling you, there came the shift and we rose up. You felt it when it broke in the room and we got that evil out. There was a breaking in the room. We did it. But that wasn't all God said. God didn't just say, get the evil out. Some of you need to remember, you don't need just need to run the evil out of your house, run the evil. You need to get righteousness back in there. You got to reseed the land. That's what we're doing right now in America Come on, we're not just pushing back darkness. We're receding the land. We're laying the foundation again. We're saying not so. You can't run the, the thing here. You can't run the deal here. He said, get righteousness back in. So I said, all right, everybody sense that. And we're going to go back in. We're going to wait on words to get righteousness back in. When words come, we're going to declare those. Here we went. We went back into prayer. We're praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, now they're fired up. It sounds like emergency tongues in there, you know. And so we're just praying in the spirit. Words came. We began to declare it. You could feel it in the room. Here it came. Righteousness. Moving back in to that seat. And it was the wildest thing. You could sense it. I knew in my spirit when we got righteousness back in. And all of a sudden, there was like the moving of a hand of like an unseen conductor. Everybody's praying with their eyes closed. And, and when that thing broke and we got righteousness back in, an immediate peace in that note of victory came to the room and everybody went simultaneously silent. And I remember just sitting there with my eyes closed, standing in front. I just said, God, oh, that you would entrust us with an assignment like this. You know, we, we did it, and I'm, I'm so thankful. And so we'd been sitting in that peace, and once again, I, I lifted my head, and opened my eyes to address the room, and they were, they were gone. And there was that seat, and there was that angel again standing. The fierceness in his eyes. And all of a sudden, without any warning, that angel next to that seat never looked up. Just with one step, he just stepped over and he stepped into that seat. And I thought, we did it. But I'll never forget what happened next as long as I live. Because that angel stood in that seat And all of a sudden, he lifted his head, and he locked eyes with me. And then he bowed his head, and he thanked me. And I realized in that moment that he had been sent on assignment, and so were we. But he couldn't do his part until we did ours. Church, I don't have to tell you this is serious business that we're talking about. Lives are hanging in the balance. Quite possibly whole generations are hanging in the balance. These aren't just cliche phrases and nice things that we say when we say, God, let heaven come, let heaven be on earth as it is in heaven. These aren't just cliche phrases they say to one another in the throne room of heaven. These are plans and actual blueprints in the throne room of heaven that God has for planning the heavens in Omaha, Nebraska. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He believes all your schools are his, your businesses are his. He believes your mayor's office is his, your governor's office is his. He believes the state of Nebraska is his. And he says, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you're going to plant the heavens and you're going to take care of business in the more powerful realm of the spirit so it can transpire in the natural. I want to tell you that that wasn't just a prayer time that happened on that day. And we just, well, we just believe things are changed and we patted ourselves on the back. And went home, it was actually on the heels of that very same trip that a door opened for us to come back a year later and hold a nationwide event, the first ever of its kind. I was asked to come and meet with the president of Grenada. On that trip, the word of the Lord came to me for him. I gave him the word of the Lord. He wasn't a Christian man. In fact, it was actually outside of his culture to meet with a white woman, but he did it. I'd been to Grenada 19 times before. I didn't even know where the president's office was. But you know, when you come in and start spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in somebody's country, some all of a sudden they want to meet with you. <laughs> so we were there doing this mass event and I'm in this meeting and I, and I, I, I saw my window and I, I gave the word of the Lord to him. And all the security, everybody got really intense in the room and he was looking at me and they were all waiting for he was, what he was going to do. And all of a sudden that, that man bowed his head down to his desk and lifted his hands and said, let it be, let it be. In the, in the nine months that followed that, Grenada's economy exploded. This was a third world nation that had had no development in the 19 years I had been going there. All of a sudden, they added another addition to their airport. They had five uh, Five-star hotels that came in and built brought in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs. Their economy exploded. They, they built a, a, um, a new city building. Their uh, school system was elevated. And the churches absolutely started bursting open. God has us on assignment. God has you on assignment. I just believe that God's going to be giving out some assignments. Don't be surprised. When God starts giving out assignments to you and says, you know that little elementary school that you drive by all the time? Come on, grandma, I want you to go there six o'clock in the morning. I want you to walk around it and I want you to seed it with the word of God. Don't be surprised, man of God, if all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, I want you to go down to that police department. I want you to pray over them, pray protection, pray the hand of God on them, pray that they would have a spirit of seeing and knowing and know what to do, where and when. Pray for your government officials. Come on, let's take this seriously. Let's plant the heavens in the earth. I want to be a part of the generation that sees the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. I don't want to see this generation lost up in the confusion of forget about knowing who God called him to be. You know, they don't know what gender they are, and not on my watch. Come on, let's reclaim some things and let's Let's recede, let's stop cycles of abuse, cycles of depression, cycles that have come down in our family and say, no, it stops with me. Let's take a walk at night with the family down the street and say, you know what? This is our street. And so we're going to pray over every family on our street. There's not going to be any suicides on our street. There's not going to be any drug abuse. You're not selling drugs on my corner. Come on, no no little child's being taken advantage of. We're gonna plead the blood. This is my street. And then you just adopt your neighborhood. Come on, if we'll just rise up and be who we always said that we are, God can get some things done, amen? Would you lift your hands to heaven? Father, we thank you and we give you glory for what you're doing in the earth in this time. We bless you, God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. We say again, Father, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in us. And start with me. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen.